Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cello Toys podcast on Grapple Arcade. I am Pablo, and with me is the crab tree to my lobster bush. It's Foxy. Hello. Hello. You all right? I'm all right. Um, as you can tell, these are getting more abstract on every episode, which means I'm oh, yeah? either... <laughs> Well, it means I'm either like really creative or I've just run out of like logical good tag teams to go into. Um, I just think you're reading uh, pages out of the Reader's Digest. <laughs> did your Big just, Daddy just joke book? I was going to say, did your Big Daddy joke book ever show up? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> it definitely, definitely did. <laughs> and uh, I think one of the next coming podcasts that we do for Chella. It will be purely just that, me reading <laughs> jokes and you laughing hysterically you, constantly. You told me some of them and there were some bangers in there. <laughs> some bangers. I will say it's of its time. <laughs> yeah. I will say um, Twitter and hashtags weren't around back then. <laughs> and I might... Avoid reading one or two of them. I don't know, I don't know yet, though. <laughs> we'll soon find out. Yeah, and this is genuinely a, a joke book, well, allegedly written by Big Daddy. Uh, oh, I, I, it definitely was. I like to think that um, he wrote this. Um, I, I like to think that he wrote this in the taxi after um, the This Is Your Life episode. <laughs> Taxi home. He was like, "Right, I want to get me jokes down now. I've had a, I've had a good career. Uh, it's round two, <laughs> round two of my career, joke teller." <laughs> well, he was Bro. king of merchandise in the UK. That's how he made his money, really. Um, right. You know, he was able to, you know, being being brothers with the promoter helped, but uh, you know, he was definitely a merch- helped merchandise definitely machine. Helped and um, yeah, there's Big Daddy all sorts of annual scarves. There was the cartoon. I mean, go back and listen to our episode on Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks, which was s- simultaneously loved by family of both, uh, which I found to be quite an honour. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was nice to get that feedback from uh, the family of both Haystacks and Daddy. It was, and it's been, it's been fun to kind of still keep in touch with that circle of people to talk about what we might do with them in the future with bits and pieces and chats and things so good crack especially uh, you know one of my favorite tidbits of all that um to come out of that and i've tried to do as much research as i can following it and we're getting there (laughs) is to do with the whole uh paul mccartney and giant haystacks (laughs) friendship um the fact that haystacks was in one of his films um, Paul let him stay at his house for the majority of that film and they became best friends to the point where Paul commissioned a custom guitar, give give uh, Haystacks his own guitar and then once Haystacks died, McCartney then sent flowers to Haystacks' wife every year um, in memory of in memory of Haystacks. I just thought it was wonderful that. So I'm doing a lot of research at the moment with the people involved to find out a bit more about the guitar because you know what I'm like. I'm a bit of a guitar boy, aren't I? Bit of a mm-hmm. bit of a guitar lad. <laughs> so I um, can't wait to find a bit more about that out. You can't play and then one, start a band can... called uh, Giant Haystacks. I was going to say you can't play them. You just look at them and stroke them and lick them. I can play them with my eyes closed and sausage rolls until they tape to my feet. <laughs> So, um, yeah, good stuff. And that's the thing that I don't think Paul McCartney's ever talked about, or if he has, it, nothing on record. Um, his no. uh, relationship with Giant Haystacks. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's all made up. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was all part of a storyline that we're going to use for Loch Ness, but uh, it never came to fruition. Maybe Paul McCartney was going to debut a Nitro. Um, <laughs> he started singing a few songs. And then, um, then nah. <laughs> did nothing. Did nothing. 
Well, uh, speaking of uh, giant haystacks, the uh, the Wembley variant sold out a long time ago. You snooze, you lose on uh, some of the things from Chella, and we'll be getting into something that's uh, currently up for pre-order as well, which uh, hasn't got long left. But the uh, the other giant haystacks, the more widely haystacks, haystacks, uh, be uh, which will be more widely available, is still up for pre-order, but not for much longer because it will be shipped from the factory in the next few weeks. So yeah, probably- we're looking about roughly four weeks, I believe it is. There you go. It's um, it's give it's, or take, you know. It's happening. Four weeks. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's fun times. Um, and while we're on, should we talk about the other bits of like the updates to those figures that people are waiting for? We've had a lot of questions about when's this ready, when's this getting shipped out. Naturally, because fans are really interested to know when figures are going to be in their uh, in the collection. Um, I know that the Adam Bomb figure is uh, hopefully shipping from the factory within roughly about a week's time. Yes, and that's which is, uh, the, awesome. This is the uh, the first Adam Bomb figure, which has been up for pre order for a little while now. Now the yep. glow in the dark one isn't up for pre order at the moment. That'll be very very soon. Yeah. Uh, but yes, is uh, kind of Survivor Series ninety three first pay per view that he wore this year on the the lime green. Um, you know, it's amazing that this is finally getting made in figure form. Like Foxy says, will be shipped uh, next week. Believe it is, is next week. Yeah, that's the way it'll be shipped from the the factory. The factory. That is not yes, yeah, but uh, over to here. Um, and finally, I believe the the uh, Ethan Page variant um, will be in stock. Is that right? In the next couple of weeks. Yes, it's this the uh, the variant of Ethan Page will be in stock uh, at the latest next week. That's um, the hope. And, uh, we within the next week or so. Yeah, give or take again, depending on shipping. Um, delays or anything like that but we're hoping for it roughly by the end of next week or so yes and there is no pre-order for that but uh he will be available through the uh through the cello website and uh i know ethan was as a toy collector himself was over the moon that cello took an interest in ethan before his aw days before his impact days mm-hmm. um you know that's when the, the relationship was formed and uh, that's when you know, these figures were decided to be made. So, uh, yeah, get your hands on the first ever Ethan Page. Because, I mean, talk about someone who's going to be a huge star of the future. Uh, someone like Ethan Page is certainly, he's got all the ingredients. Um, and, you know, it's only the start for him. He's still going to be in his 20s in five years' time. I mean, it's insane how young. It makes me feel old, to be honest. Uh, so he hasn't even begun to reach his... Uh, reaches peak yet so you know get that uh, and everyone loves rookie stuff and first ofs and all that kind of stuff so get your first Ethan Page figure uh, it's great get- as well because because as you said he's a, he's a big toy fan he's a big figure collector himself as well I don't know if anybody who's listening has ever checked out Ethan Page's uh, YouTube channel it's uh, it's great you go on figure hunts and things like that go purchasing figures they go to stores um, collectible places venues etc etc looking and hunting for amazing cool action figures and they take a crew of people with them as well but ethan man he's a he knows his stuff which is what's great as well so it's that little icing on the icing on the cake when you get a wrestler who's not just a big fan of action figures who likes to go out collect and buy them and vlog them um but the fact that you know, Cheller have got the opportunity to to make some of his very own is very cool indeed. Absolutely. And this is a variant of the Ethan Page, as I said, and uh, another variant which is currently up for pre-order for just four more days as this show is, is the UK variant 1988 attire Dynamite Kid figure. Now, the uh, the press email from Cella went out, uh, I believe today, just to remind people to order this, uh, order this repaint. And it gives information on the fact that, and this is true, variants that are now sold out from Cella are going on eBay for a ridiculous amount of money. So it's insane. It's yeah. insane. People yeah. are uh, already out there scalping figures for twice at least the price that you can still currently buy them from, <laughs> from cellatoys.net. So without you don't need to go into eBay yet for any of that kind of stuff. Just get yourself onto cellatoys.net and you can still pre-order some of these figures now. Uh, you still order them now. So save yourself a lot of money. Don't get robbed. Don't get robbed. Speaking of robbing, um, <laughs> yeah. segue here. When you were a young'un, did you 
ever thieve, steal, <laughs> pinch um, any wrestling paraphernalia from a shop that you weren't working in? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> no, I can honestly... No, okay, one thing. <laughs> when, when I said none, I mean one. Um, yeah, no one. <laughs> Or maybe just no one. No, okay, three things. Um, <laughs> ten things. No, uh, all just, of them. Just three things. Three things, but one of them was free. So they're all in the same box. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all in your same rucksack. No, oh, I, I, God, you're gonna ruin. Me. I'm stitching you up. You are stitching me up. Well, I'm, I'm assuming. I mean, you can say none if you want, but you didn't. You said no one. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'm assuming this is leading to you telling me that you've stolen. You know. Greg Valentine's shin guard or something like that. But um I don't know. <laughs> so uh right, okay. I've got to think now. Right, one of them was and this was accidental, but I didn't own up to it. I bought a packet of uh, or a couple of packets of Merlin stickers using the nineteen ninety four Undertaker set yep. from a uh, from the good local set. New- good set. Damn good set from the local news agent. And when I took them away, there were underneath each packet another packet, like just pressed onto it so tightly that you would never have known. Um, that's not stealing. That's not stealing. That's a gift from the gods. That if if somebody gives you something additional on top and you don't realize and you get it when you're like, oh, there was some that, that's that's just a freebie. That's not I wouldn't class it as theft because you didn't purposely pick that up with the intention. No, that's true. But the other two things um but the other thing you went in there knowing exactly <laughs> what you were gonna, you'd be in the week before scoping the shop out. <laughs> The um, uh, I know this by heart. It was uh, the January nineteen ninety six issue of the WWF magazine came with a free pack of pogs, and uh, I'd bought one for myself. And then there was another one with a slightly open packet, and I just kind of like slightly pe- peeled the packet a little bit more. The pogs fell out, and uh, right in the back pocket. Uh, so I mean, we're not talking like high end fevery here, and I don't think WWF suffered. Um, because of it. I mean, they, they nearly went out of business the following year. <laughs> I was going to say, at the time, it was massive. They bounced back, bless them, uh-huh. but not without hard work and perseverance, but you didn't help. <laughs> yeah, but if you watch that Hidden Treasures show on A&E, half of that stuff's been even nicked off. <laughs> half, you know. half that stuff was in the back of your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Hidden Treasures. Yeah. So, yeah. Anything it, else? Very small, to you know. Well, I've had friends steal figures from me. Um, no, and, and well, oh, mate, don't don't even get me started on friends stealing figures from you, Dykesy. Um, <laughs> caught him in the act trying to show me Orange Trunks Hasbro Macho Man Disgrace. in his uh, lunchbox when we were at my grand's house. He knows, he knows. <laughs> caught him in the act. Told everybody at school about it. As soon as we got back to school, life was hell for two years for him. Yeah, after that, I can imagine. Um, so yeah, just just tiny little things like that. So yeah, what about you? Just just tiny little things like that. It's plural. There's just a few, <laughs> few things that you've uh, decided to not mention. That's fair enough, though. Um, no, I was actually quite a good boy. I didn't steal anything. Well, why are you bringing it up then? Because <laughs> um, I was going to tell you are a now story. At the door, right? Okay, okay. Because okay. <laughs> I now work for the police. <laughs> Criminal investigations. No, I am. Um, I was in. I, w- I will openly say I was in Woolworths, mm-hmm. and um, the first time it was the first time I had the temptation to steal wrestling-related paraphernalia. It was uh, Rulers of the Ring Four. There was a couple of figures that I uh, was desperate for, and wow. I was very tempted. Yeah. Um, how would this you was a little bit later, right? This was like sort of like later teenagers. Really, this is like you know 2001, I mean? 2002. Like, yeah, sort of. I mean, it was much later than later teenagers. It was like, how old was I? Uh, <laughs> I was about, about 17 or something. something like Good that. lord. Um, okay, and I was in there, it was me and my bro. Um, and we were in there, and I was looking at them, and I was like, if I just pry open that bubble, uh-huh. uh, and then my conscience got the better of me, mm-hmm. thankfully. And uh, and I didn't. I decided not to steal. I decided, no, that's wrong. That's oh, really so you, wrong. You have just set me up here then, haven't you? Hang on. I haven't finished. Oh, okay. Right, okay. <laughs> Gets better. 
Oh, good. Um, so we were in, we were in, we were in, uh, we had, and the thing is as well, we had 20 quid each to spend. Mm-hmm. I think it, I can't remember why. I just remember specifically we had 20 quid each to spend. Um, so we were, the plan was just to buy loads of figures, you know, and I was going through a phase where I just got back into wrestling after that sort of that mid teenage year rebel against wrestling because, you know, other things are more fun at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I dipped out, but got back in around a sort of 16, 17 age towards the end of school. And we were there anyway. And I opted to to not steal uh, any of Rulers of the Ring 4. So then we thought, okay, let's get out of here. Um, I don't want to spend like, I think I can't remember how much they were at the time, but I want to say they were probably about eight or nine, eight quid maybe. Yeah. Something huh? like that from Woolies at the time. Sounds about right. Um, and that would have meant we could only get two figures and then, you know, kets really, sweets. But uh, we, we we decided against it. So then we went, oh, I know. I remember once they had some Hulk Hogan yo-yos and, and crap like that in this really tiny little cheap shop called Silly Prices. And it was like this independent little rubbishy shop. You know what I mean? It wasn't very big at all. Uh-huh. Um, and it had everything from when you walked in, like really sort of manky, sweaty looking dog beds next to catapults and then next to sort of lighters. And you're know, spaced out really badly on shelves and the floor was all stained. Uh-huh. It was like rubbish. It was like in a, it was in a, in a, in a sort of small, um, like, sh- like shopping precinct, but all the shops in there were absolutely shit. <laughs> like, you know, like they were the worst, but brilliant if you only had a couple of quid and you needed 20 pot noodles, that kind of thing. <laughs> so we went in there. And as I say, I remember uh, once upon a time, them selling uh, like Hulk Hogan, like, uh, was it yo-yos? It was some, it was some knockoff. It was, a, it was a complete bootleg item like that they'd had left over from, you know, SummerSlam 92 or something. You right. know what I mean? Like it was yeah. just like let's print loads of WWF stuff on anything. Mm-hmm. Um oh that was it. It was there was uh, it was knockoff iron on transfers. <laughs> That's what it was. Um I remember getting some as a kid with my gran and putting them on the back of my t-shirt and they lasted for about 20 minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> terrible. But anyway, they, they had some of them back in the day. And so this was a few years later, obviously, it's quite a, a few years later, and this independent shop was still there. So we went there anyway. And when we got in there, I've told you this briefly before. This is the shop that had an entire wall of Toy Biz, WCW Toy Biz figures in. <clears throat> yeah. And they had, it was massive. The wall, the wall, like the, for, for the size of the shop, which is a small shop, it was the full length. And they had, it was just g- galore, figures galore. And they were a quid each, right? And they had the four horsemen pack in as well. Um, you know, there were the, the, oh, the four pack, Stephen yeah, Michael yeah. four pack, yeah, uh, flare, flare one. Uh, they had that in for four quid, and basically wow. everything was like a quid. Everything was a quid apart from the two packs, which were two quid tag teams, two blah blah blah. Um, the it we, we just went nuts and bought about 30 figures, and it was absolutely mint. It was one of the, one of the best, um, like accidental stumble across wrestling bargains I've ever had in my life, and we would not have gone to that shop if I'd have nicked that figure because we were like, right, we've got to wear I'm feeling guilty. Let's go quick. Let's go. You know, that's exactly what would have happened. We went there because we had money and because we were like, well, where are we going to go now? It was that kind of, and we, uh, and it paid off. So, um, so the moral of the story is you didn't nick stuff and I've admitted to stealing some stuff now. Yeah. And on top of that, I really looked out and I did, <laughs> I did better with my, what I paid Good. for on the cheap yeah. was better than what you stole. <laughs> well, uh, you reminded me of the other thing that I stole when you mentioned Woolworths. Um, the heart it, of the nation. It wasn't in Woolworths. It was actually in WH Smith when you used to do videos. Um, you, you, you're you going to say out loud the shop that you were in that you stole from? I'm not telling you which one. Um, I mean, you so- didn't... You didn't st- <laughs> They were free. But you didn't gifts. steal, but you you didn't steal from there, did you? There were free gifts. There were free gifts. There were free gifts, and they left them in the. I do apologise to James from Silver Vision because we'll probably get them back on eventually. But they had. Um, it was like Invasion of the Body Slammers, and it came with you know the motion cards. Uh, where oh yeah, Bret Hart to tank a Hulk Hogan and that, and uh, yeah, they left them inside yeah. the video in uh, proper 
geek twerk them like um well it's all right because i mean the thing is you know i mean you obviously bought um mickey mouse fantasia vhs didn't you <laughs> instead and you just put them in there so i think it's fair enough because you yeah. still bought a vhs for the same financial value they've had so enough of my money about it. they've had about it. it i paid for wrestlemania 26 they've had enough of me money like <laughs> lord like i paid for that because that was the brett vince match and i was like you know what i would never ever dream of paying for a pay-per-view not since like the good days of the Attitude Era UK pay-per-views where it was fun to watch them. Um, but I paid for WrestleMania 26 and instantly regretted it after watching it. <laughs> Did you ever, because I'm going to sort of, um, we're going to move on now swiftly. Yeah. Um, can you, um, <laughs> I'm just going to regurgitate a question that uh, was asked by um, Kenny McIntosh. Okay. And the question being, um, can you remember your first live WrestleMania, like that you watched. Live. Oh, I watched. Yeah. Um, oh, good lord. Um, live is hard to say um, because there were always. I didn't have Sky for like a long, long time, so I relied on like parents, um, you know, friends of parents yeah. to like record them and stuff like that. So, live, honestly, and I know this sounds crazy, but probably twenty eight or no twenty six, probably twenty six. Right. Um, Because by that point, I was kind of losing interest anyway. Um, So I wasn't like going out of my way to watch them live. Uh, But I mean, they were only buying six figures a week. (laughs) (laughs) But the first Mania that I watched at my friend's house at the time uh, was WrestleMania 9. Um, And yeah, but not not live until 26. I mean, I watched other live events before that. Um, obviously, but for some reason, WrestleMania, either it was a time difference or I just didn't have Sky or anything like that. And, and t- yeah. when you when you talk live, live, uh, probably 26, which is probably which is crazy to think about, really. Never thought about that. Yeah. What about yeah, yourself? Um, I was the same as him. It was on uh, Sky Movies. There um, you go. I was it live, but- though. I don't think it was. Um, it claimed it was live, but it probably, but back then, you know, they could get away with saying anything was live and, you know, it wasn't really looked into. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was meant to have been live because I think there was, I think it was a deal that they had with Sky. So I'd be surprised if it wasn't because it was in, let me think, was it, was that 91? 92. 92. So it was around the, yeah. So it was on the build up to them bringing SummerSlam over here in the summer. So there was vested interest in the UK watching their stuff. So maybe it was live because, or, or you know, sold as much um, because of the fact that they were building up to Wembley, you know? Quite possibly. Um, I mean, so they were wanting to get people invested and involved as much as possible from a viewing fan base. Um, but I do remember the year before, though, WrestleMania 7, that's my, my most my fondest memory of watching a mania because I was actually on holiday in Cyprus and it was a nuts little holiday. Like there was, it was maybe it was our first uh, abroad holiday. Right. And it was in this, at the time it was, it was an all right hotel. It had a little pool outside of it. It had a, it had a, um, like a outdoor pool table. It had an indoor pool table and a couple of arcade machines. Right. And it was, it was, it was good enough. And that's funnily enough, where it was Cyprus, where I went to, a, there was a VHS store down the road um, from the hotel. It was just, it was back in the day when things were like proper sketch and you could get away with like, the shops would sell what they want. They probably still do some of them. But that particular area of Cyprus, like there was a VHS shop, like just sold basically complete bootleg VHS tapes. Normally around our area, you used to get a bloke in a van driving around selling tapes for four quid each, you know, uh-huh. um, just just copies. Uh, all, all brand new bestsellers, whereas this was a shop <laughs> just selling <laughs> completely fraudulent VHS tapes uh-huh. um, with really bad photocopy scans of the covers and that. And uh, it was, that's where I picked up WrestleFest 91. Nice. Uh, was it 91? Yeah, WrestleFest 91. Um, or 90. I can't remember now which one it was. But um, anyway. Was it, was it Randy Savage playing pool? No. Um, Tornado was on the front. Um, that is, I want to say that is 91 Tornado Martel. Um, I it think it might be that, but I may be getting it confused with another VHS in my collection. Either way, um, 
I bought it. I was absolutely over the moon. I didn't think twice about opening it and looking inside. And when I got back to England, it was Danny Champion of the World <laughs> or some other shit. Good. Basil Great Mouse Detective, maybe something like that. It was crap, and I was <laughs> wounded. And I, well, anyway, sorry. So, oh, no, can um, I tell, can I tell you one similar thing uh, to that? Um, yeah. Dad went to see. Uh, he visited a family member, and uh, he went to a local market, and he bought what looked like a wrestler. He doesn't know WWF, WCW, anything like that. He just bought. It must have just said wrestling on it. Like, I can't even remember. Um, and he brought it home, and I was like, okay, I don't recognize any of this. Um, so we put it on, and it was basically softcore porn. It was men in, like, thongs on plinths, like, sort of. It was like bodybuilding, I guess. But there were, like, women, like, taking the clothes off slowly and stuff like that, and it was just like, yeah, that was not any. <laughs> Like that's probably... how it all started for you, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's where it all began. I'm actually hosting uh, this wearing a phone, so yeah. yeah, you're watching it now, aren't you? We're gonna do a, <laughs> we're gonna do a watch along <laughs> in a minute. Um uh, so so basically so, this, pre- this previous bit you. is I'm poor, I didn't have WrestleMania until 26 and I nicked stuff. So yeah. Good. Yeah, no, that's good. I just wanted to help you. Um I was in I on the other hand have a better conscience and we were going on holiday. Um, <laughs> just shows you. Just sure, doesn't it? Uh, and look where we are now. <laughs> like Romeo and Juliet. No. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde. I don't know. Yeah, good. Anyway. Um, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> right, right. What were we talking so, about? Shut I up. was in Shut Cyprus. Up, Shut up. I'm you I was in Cyprus. Yeah, so yeah. I was in the swimming pool anyway, in Cyprus. And as you do, you just get chatting with these uh, other little uh, thugs um, <laughs> playing on the lilos and splashing really hard and doing cannonballs in the pool when you're not meant to and all that but we're the only ones there because we weren't we went outside of school holiday time you see uh, so we, we went during term time so there was only like about four four kids in the in the this complex uh, it was really quiet there was barely anybody about but these kids had been there a couple of days earlier and they'd made friends with a young lad who was the son of the owner of the hotel and He'd man, and now I didn't at that time. I didn't know about wrestling dates when things were on, things like that. Do you know what I mean? I just, I was much like yourself that if I got all of a VHS from somebody, it didn't matter when it was from. I was going to watch it. I was blown away. There was no time period that you know what I mean. There mm. was, I had no sense of timing or what it was all about. But they said, "Did you did you see WrestleMania?" And I said, "No." And they said, oh, it was on. Yeah, it was on like, I think it was on like the previous 24 hours, 48 hours before that or something. Um, and this lad had managed to get hold of a tape, like somebody had taped it. They're obviously sketchy satellite dishes or whatever. Um, but this lad had taped it. And he said, we're going to watch it later on in the pool room. Do you want to come? I was like, this is Christmas. <laughs> so I'd been invited by the big boys to join them to go and watch the wrestling in the uh, in the in the lounge bit in the hotel sort of like I don't know, there was a, like I said there was a pool table a couple of arcade machines uh, the lad of the, the the son of the hotel was kind of hosting this WrestleMania watch watching party with there's about five of us there and his uh, dad kept bringing us loads of popping chips out oh. and it was like this is the best day ever. Yeah, and uh, that solidified my 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 love for um, Cyprus and ships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, solidified we're... my love for chips. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, can you believe it though? One of my first memories of that was um, watching wrestling events surrounded by arcade machines, and maybe that's how the Grapple Arcade came to fruition. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. WrestleFest 91 uh, has Greg Valentine on the front with Rick Martel. Well, of course it does. Um, so which one's the one with Tornado on the front? Maybe it was a snide cover. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm almost certain that... Oh, right, let's have a look. I've let's, definitely got the Tornado cover in, of my WrestleFest VHS collection, well, but I Russell couldn't F- tell you which one it was, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Well, WrestleFest 90 had uh, Jim Knight, had the Heart Foundation and Warlord on the front, along with Warrior and Dino Bravo. Um... There will be one with Texas Tornado on the front because he was a big star. Big star. Have a look um, later. Live on it. No, <laughs> yeah, not now. <laughs> not now. Right. Um, because, you know, after all that, the perfect segue into talking about Al Snow. <laughs> really, you know, it all yeah. built up to this. Good. Well, oh, no, no, no. Tell a lie. Tell a lie. Sorry. 
the British version of Russell Fest 91 had Texas Tornado on the front. Yeah, there you go. And I picked up the British version of Russell Fest 91 uh, from Cyprus <laughs> that wasn't Russell Fest 91. It was um, Basil the Great Mouse Detective. Well, the, the pic- there's a smaller picture on the cover of Greg Valentine, who was also getting a cello figure, uh, hip tossing Rick Martel, who's sadly not getting a cello figure. Um, and then that small picture is used as the main picture of the American version. So they go, don't say we don't educate you. Get your, get your facts right before you come around here. Tell us. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> don't know I'll... where to buy our Cypress copied videos, VHS is from. Anyway. I'll snow. Are you? <laughs> no, I'll snow. <laughs> Good. Um, go on. Anyway, so yeah, he was he was just up for pre-order for um his uh his wrestling figure through uh through wrestling trader. And was, that, yep. yeah, the pre-order has come and gone. If you've missed it, you're now gonna have to spend about eight billion pounds on eBay for it. <laughs> it's not my fault. Yeah, for all chance. variants. Yeah, you, you had your chance, you had your choice of three variants. Yeah, and you had your choice. They weren't limited either. These are made to no. order, so you know, again. You know, you've had it. <laughs> Snows you lose. Yes. And typically, we're coming out and bringing you this information after the pre-order. <laughs> so don't say we didn't not warn you. <laughs> we didn't. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. Al Snow, what he's about a good him? lad, isn't he? He's a good lad. Um, I first saw Al Snow as Leaf Cassidy. Now, obviously, he'd been training Dan Severin before that and had made appearances accompanying Dan Severin to the ring, uh, to the octagon on early UFC uh, fights. Um, and it, it's mental, though, because, like, as a WWF, like, diehard fanatic in, like, 1996, 97, he turned into... He was still Leaf Cassidy, but he grew the the handlebar moustache, etc., and then eventually went to ECW. But I didn't really know anything about ECW as a whole, and then when Al Snow came back, they started to educate people that Al Snow was, you know, previously in WWF. And that was like kind of mind blowing for me that like, a, you know, it's even back then when you discovered that a wrestler was a previous wrestler, it was always like, you know, you just discovered a new color or something. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> there was some kind so there was something really fun about it, wasn't there? There was some, there was like almost like a form of excitement when you worked that out. There was like this, like, you go, oh, well, I don't know about anybody else, but I got tingles. <laughs> Not shingles, tingles. Um, no, I did though. It was like when you found things out like that. I think the first time I ever clocked, like on my own accord, um, without it ever being mentioned, and straight away I guessed it, it was the Sultan. Oh, really? When the Sultan came out, I was able, I, I knew, I was like, that's fine. And well, I don't know how, but I just, I just, I just, it just clicked for me. There's probably other ones that, you know, um, when somebody said, I was like, oh, yeah, of course it is, you know, about other people. But that one uh, was the one that stood out for me. Well, the, the interesting thing about Al Snow, and there's an interview that we conducted with Al, and we talked so much about Leaf Cassidy. Like, I don't even apologize for how much I talk about Leaf Cassidy to Al Snow. Um, funnily enough, he's probably not coming back on the podcast anytime soon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he, no, he, he was fine with it. He loved it, man. Um, so um, with the you see the transition from Leaf Cassidy into Al Snow, which is something that never happened back then. Like if someone showed up in WWF from another company, it was like, Oh, who's this new, you know, wrestler, Harley race, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but this was a, a transition that actually made sense. He lost his mind because he felt like he wasn't getting news. He was losing to jobbers. And then he went to ECW as part of the talent exchange along with, you know, uh, Bracus and all those kind of names, Furness and Lafon. There was a huge talent ch- uh, exchange in 96 and 97, Scorpio. Um, and he was part of that. And that's when he, he basically, he, f- he found head. Um, <laughs> and uh, and life was never the same. And uh, two of the packaging, the, the cello packaging, uh, incorporate head as well, which uh, it, which is a lot of fun. Well, but leading up to uh, Leaf Cassidy as well, though, I mean, I know you said that, you know, your your knowledge um, and where you shine highly brightly is to do with your WWF uh, specific knowledge, which is great. And uh, the, the, for me, one of the really, really fun parts of of prior from becoming Leaf Cassidy was that he'd, he'd done some? He'd done a couple of dark matches. Well, not dark matches. He was just basically a jobber for a couple of matches in WF in in the 
93, I believe it was, he wrestled under the name Steve Moore, and he actually he wrestled against The Undertaker in one match and also Marty Jannetty, uh, which is quite fun. Um, so the fact that, you know, wrestling as a jobber in 93 against Jannetty, then being tagged with them um, not long thereafter, I thought was quite cool indeed. But uh, he, he had a cracking little um, run, you know, before even ECW, because he was with it was with Smoky Mountain, as we know, for a bit. Um, I'm trying to think of who else he was with in the in '94 time. I'm sure there was '94 time. He was was he with NWA for a while in '84. In '94. In '94, sorry. <laughs> he might. Have been. I know he had he had, a, he had a couple of absolutely storming matches with Sabu. Um, yeah. Um, and well, honestly. It's... His reputation was, you know, he was called for a long time the best kept secret in wrestling because, I mean, he had matches yeah. with Benoit, the match against, he had a match against Jannetty in Smoky Mountain as well because... That's right. It was um, a title match. Well, there you go. And and that's the thing. Al Snow was always those, you know, someone good who I can, you can have a 20 minute match with, get Al on the phone. And yeah. uh, he was, he was just the dude to do that. And, you know, I think he, he always probably wanted more from his career than that, but... And obviously got much more than that as well, but it wasn't through not, you know, having to dedicate himself and a lot of hard work and a lot of trials and tribulations and stuff like that, because you can fall into the, uh, the dreaded is a good hand category. Yeah. Um, to the point where you'll never get used and, uh, you know, everything that he, that, you know, became Al Snow, he came up with himself and he really is like a self-made man to the point where he owns, OVW now and he's teaching the next generation and I can't think of anyone better to do that based on like you know any of the seminars that we've seen online and how how serious he takes it I'll tell you what's an interesting other little factor because when I was um remind myself of a couple of things that happened earlier in his career because I was aware of his stint in ECW and even his earlier ECW stint that fabulous match that he had with Benoit for example like uh it was a double tables it was on um, in early, I want to say, what, 90, when was it? 95, I think it was, yeah, it would have been early 95. Mm. Um, absolutely, I don't know if you've seen the, the match itself, but it's, and I know it's a difficult thing to promote these days given who was in the match, but it was it was so good for its time. It was one of them, you know, and it was, it was a, just, Benoit was, uh, he's, in my opinion, at his best. Um and and Al was was a fantastic fodder for him. It was just really really, but but he he wrestled really well. It was it was just a fun match to watch, and it was I think it was a good sort of like over fifteen minute match as well, which is unheard of for in terms of technical prowess for ECW. If we're going to be honest, you know we know what that kind of style is all about, especially back in ninety five. Yeah. Um, but. What's an interesting thing when I was uh, doing when I was reminding myself about that and what had happened before that, um, Meltzer, and people can take a leave it. I appreciate that, and I know some people are interested in just hearing at least what he's got to say about something. Al Snow's first uh, five matches that Meltzer scored, he got a four star above. That's impressive, especially back then from Melter reviews. So, uh, 94, 94 yeah. um, his, his matches in 94 in APW and NWA, uh, he smoked him out in match with Janetti and his ECW double tables match with uh, Benoit. So basically, um, two matches with Sabu, uh, two matches with Benoit and one with Janetti, all got four stars and above. Wow, it's easy to see why WWF snapped him up. But I mean, yeah. he, he was just a victim of coming in in late 95 and Power Rangers being hot and Mortal Kombat, all that kind of thing. And WWF not really having the budget that WCW had with like a Glacier or Mortis to create that kind of uh, video game character. And yeah. that's why, I mean, Avatar was just confusing, I guess. Um, well, to some it might have been, not to me. <laughs> well, certainly to Vince trying to explain it yeah. on the audience. <laughs> I mean, it's very rare to see a wrestler come to the ring and then put his mask on and take it off again at the end. It's um, it's not a it's not a common practice in the world of masked wrestlers, is it? No. Somebody to walk down the aisle maskless and then to put the mask on. You can't really do a mask versus mask match, can you? It's not really going to have the same impact. And and the problem is as well with that mask and with the MC Hammer pants, he 
ballsed up a couple of moves oh, in that match, man. which kind of sealed his fate. Um, yeah. And Vince, you know, you can tell he wasn't happy to the point where he was taken off the underdogs team at Survivor Series 95. And I mean, there was, a, there was a period where he was wrestling as Leaf Cassidy, Al Snow and Shinobi on house shows all simultaneously. I mean, not in the same match because that'd be mental. But He had um, a problem with that, basically. And as you know, he had a bit of a problem with that springboard, didn't he? That top rope springboard. Like, yeah. well, as, as Shinobi against Ahmed Johnson as well. Oh, like, yeah. oh man, it wasn't good. But I mean, so it's tricky. Like out of your three gimmicks that you run in front of Vince McMahon, two of them you massively screw up with, <laughs> with the same botches. <laughs> it was so tricky for him. It's, but, kind um, of fun. it's fun though, because Al's tag team partner in Smoky Mountain, Unibomb, Kane, you know, failed as Isaac Yankton, failed as Fake Diesel, and then made it, you know, third time's the charm. And same thing happened yeah. with, same thing happened with Al. Absolutely. Um, well, fourth time, I suppose, if you can. <laughs> um, <laughs> being, uh, coming back as Al Snow, because Avatar, Shinobi, Leaf Cassidy, then Al Snow. Yeah, but, okay, no, fair enough. I do try and wipe. To be fair, Shinobi, Shinobi wasn't, it's quite tricky to use him <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a catalyst for all things ninja. Um, but he, yeah, I, I was a massive fan of uh, of just weird sort of, especially ninjury mask gimmicks back then, like, you know, yeah. especially the time period of like, I, fair enough, he wasn't wearing a mask, but people like Hakushi coming over, who had Quang on the scene. So uh, Aldo Montoya at the time, I loved all that. that all, all that shtick was right up, like up my alley. Mm-hmm. And um... my cup of tea. And I thoroughly enjoyed it at the time. Um, and Avatar, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the concept of it. It's, it, you know, it's just, that's it the is thing. What the, it is. the concept, and I, I, again, love this time period. Like the concept behind things, I think, in Vince's head, it, you know, and, and Cornette talked about this recently that it's hard unless you're in Vince's head, you don't know how he's picturing things sometimes. And he can try and describe ninja martial arts Power Ranger dude, and then it'll come out looking you know, orange MC hammer pants and a green and yellow mask. Um, and Vince will get frustrated that it hasn't come out exactly like Vince has pictured it, but also he can't convey it well enough for it to, to be seen through properly. So like, you know, the, um, the Avatar... They did, they did bring, they did bring, sorry, I was going to say, they did bring Shinobi back though as well, didn't they? For a, for a brief stint in the sort of 2000s, for, for, for a one-off stint in the 2000s, where, um, Coach had a sort of weird little mini feud going on with uh, Tajiri. Of course, so they I had a, they that. had a, they had oh, yeah. the Shinobi versus Tajiri match, which was obviously <laughs> just a quick. It was a nonsensical kind of, you know, Tajiri's going over, even though the co- the coach causes hijinks. And to be honest, it was almost exactly the same concept storyline wise as why Cornette brought Shinobi in to take out Shawn Michaels. It mm-hmm. was the, it was exactly the same idea of. You know, a non-wrestler is bringing in this mass ninja to take out the guy, the wrestler, who's given him some grief. It was exactly the same setup and pretty much the same finish. <laughs> that, that's amazing. I completely forgot about the coach uh, Shinobi deal because that's when oh, Al Snow turned heel and him and coach uh, won the rights to commentate Monday Night Raw off Jerry that's right, Wall yeah. and uh, Jim <laughs> Yeah. All, all oh. about, yeah, great times, man. So the um, with the... Uh, the avatar thing, two things that stick out in my head post avatar run is you can get his mask on the creator wrestler on Warzone. Uh, <laughs> well deserved. And uh, the, the famous uh, week where boss man had stolen pepper and uh, Al Snow comes out dressed as Shinobi on Monday night raw. And this is like what September 99, something like that. And yeah. um, he starts, he comes out doing the whole spiel and it's really entertaining. And then he kind of snaps out of his senses and or snaps into his senses and goes, Oh, well, I went in the genie outfit again. No, it's happening again. My worst nightmare. You could have stuck a magnet <laughs> up my ass and drug us through Fort Knox wearing this costume and still wouldn't have drawn any money. Then he starts barking and then runs off. And then on SmackDown, he uh, comes out as Leaf Cassidy and uh, Bulldog wins and in his return match, wins the hardcore title from Big Boss Man and gave the title to uh, to Leaf Cassidy, which I think just confused the audience because Leaf Cassidy was only a couple of years before, but this was a whole new audience. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not just new, just it was a whole new world, wasn't it? Um, funnily enough, as well, you know, with um, Avatar, mm-hmm. um, his his 
last ever match as, as Avatar was against Bradshaw at Madison Square Garden. Wow. So the Avatar gimmick was sort of was retired after an MSG event, which is kind of good. It's a kind of, it's a kind of plateau to go out on, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it's all right. Well, yeah, like I say, he was being Leaf Cassidy at the same time as well. So I yeah. think he might have even shown up on the next week as Leaf Cassidy. I think it pretty much was, yeah. With no build-up whatsoever, um, he just showed up as Rocker's mega fan, Leaf Cassidy, and he was wearing literally a pair of Michael's old duds, and then they finally got like matching gear and stuff like that. But I loved the idea. Of it was the- even before that, mate. It was even before. I think I'm pretty sure, like, um, like the um, <laughs> him and Ginetti were, were started tagging. I think it was the month before um, his last appearance as Avatar. Right. So he was like, he was tagging with Ginetti. Um, it was early 96, but I'm pretty sure that it was um, the Avatar, from what I remember reading a while, the Avatar um, final match was after the new rock, the new rockers formed like a month later or something. Yeah. So like the idea that he's, he's started doing a tag team with Janetti, but he's still doing a bit of a, uh, he's still doing a bit of Avatar on the hustle on the side. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there's a, um, it's really weird because Leaf Cassidy in 96 got his own poster in the WWF. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's class. <laughs> um, and there's a great article, and I talked to Al about this uh, a lot on our interview, that uh, they went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the new rockers in Cleveland, and WWF magazine shot the article and the like fawning over the monkeys and the Partridge family records and stuff like that. And it was, I asked him, how did that happen? And he said, oh, well, we had a match over the road. So it made sense just yeah. to sneak in and take a few pictures, probably like just guerrilla filming, like no permission whatsoever. But uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, big fan of old Leaf Cassidy, and he makes his pay per view debut. Well, not his pay per view debut because it was a countdown at King of the Ring '96, and that's when Cloudy uh, made a debut. Yeah, <laughs> uh, lays it on, uh, lays it on Leaf, and um, but they were part of the tag title match at SummerSlam '96, and by Survivor Series, Marty injures his leg, but the, the, like it was kind of an, an unceremonious. Marty gets fired and then Leafs kind of single at that point. Mm-hmm. And and he fell into the reliable hand again. And he has an amazing match with Mero at in your house final four. Um, it's a great match. It really is. And it's a it's a great show opener. And uh and he has a match at uh in your house uh it's time as well against uh Flash Funk. And um yeah. he's like say put into that kind of good hand uh slot. And that was kind of it for, for Leaf on paper, yeah, except for one night last, only. I was going to say, which wasn't great because, you know, of his opponent. Uh, but it was his last one as well before he transitioned to ECW as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it um, was. It's like, but the idea, whole idea was it was around the time when, I mean, that ECW were becoming a subsidiary, basically, of uh, <laughs> WWF and the whole talent exchange situation in sort of 97. And that's what it was all about. So Al, Al was seen as somebody who was a good hand. They didn't want to get rid of him, but they thought, well, let's send you back to ECW. It makes sense. You've, it's it's part of that kind of... Um, you know, ECW were more than happy to have him back. Um, and, and WWF probably thought, well, we've got reading out for him at the moment. You know, let's be honest. Um, let's send him there and see what he can do and see if he can... Um, you know, have a bit of a creative spark again, and uh, lo and behold, <laughs> well, yeah, um, didn't he to, just? According to Al, it all started. He was in a car with Mankind and Sid, uh, which I mean, I, I would pay money to be in that car for a bit. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd pay money just to drive next to it. Like, <laughs> so Man- Mick Foley's making love to a mannequin head, and uh, that's where Al Snow gets the the idea for head from. And uh, and and I love the the rise and fall of ECW DVD because they talk about Al with such reverence when they're like he comes out and it's like a rave. The camera's upside down, the rave lights are going, and they hand out all the styrofoam heads, and everyone's Incredible. throwing them into the ring with the lasers pointing off them. And uh, yeah, breathe, oh. breathe, playing by the prodigy as well. Yeah. Just bear in mind that was his theme tune ECW, and so everybody's shouting head in tune <laughs> in time. Um, but no, that, if you've ever seen that entrance, if you haven't seen that entrance, just go and watch a, an original uh, ECW um, Al Snow entrance with you know without the dubbed over theme music with with make sure it's with Breathe by the Prodigy because man that is 
that is it's something else. It just sets it apart. Yeah. And his popularity does. And, and people forget as well, he wasn't there long before he wound up back in WWF in May 98. Um, and talks had obviously probably happened before that. But I love the idea of how he came back with uh, Lola needed a bodyguard. So he brings in Al Snow under a sheet and uh, unveils him on the promise that Al Snow would get a meeting with Vince McMahon to apologize about how he left the company the year before. <laughs> like, I love like shit like that like this type of stuff doesn't happen anymore it's like nonsense, like it, it requires you to know what happened but they did a they did a vignette about like what had happened and it led up to the king of the ring where al snow steals lawless crown so lawless like well you know you'll get your meeting with vince if you face too much uh in a in a handicap match and uh, lawless the guest referee and that's the classic finish yeah. where Brian Christopher puts the head and shoulders on head and is able to pin its shoulders to the mat. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah, so I mean, good. What, what I will say, just sort of a segue, the, the cello figure yeah. is that um, the people who've order, ordered it obviously will be aware that it does indeed come with head um, as an accessory. Thankfully, with this one, um, Sabrina Parton from... Kensaw State University <laughs> won't be able to make the formal complaint that it was a decapitated woman's head and sent the wrong message about inappropriate messages about violence towards women. Um, and it won't be pulled <laughs> from Walmart <laughs> like previous attempts at uh, Arsenal action figures. You will definitely get head. <laughs> you will definitely get it. Well, it, it, it will. It had a long lasting effect though, because it's, you know, first seven inch, well, not his first seven inch figure, but his classic figure a few years later had to come with a replica styrofoam head because they couldn't, yeah. um, they couldn't release an actual uh, Barbie doll style mannequin head uh, at that point. And, and the previous Al Snows in between that time were kind of, you dropped the head gimmick anyway, and he became like, there's like trainer Al Snow, there's Tracks this, West. Yeah, Tracks West. <laughs> <laughs> Tracks West, Al Snow. Represent Tracks West. Um, <laughs> oh, man. So funny. And I've the, still got the original. I've still got the um, kicking about. I'm, I've got two of the original head accessories. Oh, wonderful. Back in the day. Uh, so it'll be nice. I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm really looking forward to the, I want to see how different it is or how similar it is, blah, blah, blah. But it's it's just going to be so nice to get another Al Snow figure like, in, in its package. Just, oh, it's great. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm so Al looking forward to it. Al Snow, prime that Al Snow. Like, you know, it's Job Squad Al Snow, but that's what most people probably know him as, as his Al Snow character. It has to be Job character. Snow. Job, yeah. yeah. And facially, though, out of probably every Al Snow there's ever been, ever, this is the best-looking Al Snow head. Um, it, it, in it's terms fit. of capturing his, like, the character and everything. And yeah. Just, yeah, wonderful. Like, it's quality. It's really, really cool. Looking forward to seeing it. Um. I think what we're going to do as well is probably put a, a little, um, hmm, might put a little poll on Twitter asking the the fans of Al Snow, and obviously including people who've bought or plan to buy the cello figure, um, what their favourite Al Snow match was of all time. And you can class Avatar or the Shinobi duds or... Leaf Cassidy matches with the new rockers or as a singles. We might, I think, what we'll do, Pablo, is that between us after this, we'll think of our top four favorite Al Snow stroke, Leaf Cassidy stroke, any other gimmick he mm -hmm. had matches mm -hmm. and put them into a poll for people to vote on. We just get an idea of what it is that people like about it, Lake. Absolutely. Well, I mean, there's so much like we, we haven't got enough time on this episode to yeah. like cover literally everything. This is why we've been dotting around a little bit, but I like sort of delving into the slightly more obscure matches that he had in the obscure storylines as well. Cause like people know the job squad and, and there are, I think I've interviewed most of them <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, we heavily it's go true. into the job squad uh, on various interviews on, uh, on grapple. Okay. Do check out the archives, uh, all Chella toys podcast interviews of wrestlers who are getting figures through Chella, by the way, such as uh, Dwayne Gill, um, so yeah, do do check those out and Blue Meanie as well, who's getting a couple of figures. Uh, so yeah, it's it's, it's always fun to chat Al Snow because he's got such a colorful career, and some of his storylines are so um coming in that era, they're very they're not broad storylines, they're very niche specific storylines about dogs getting kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know. Um, oh gosh. <laughs> and you know, there's the tough enough era as well, and uh, everything that he's done since then. And you know, we, we'll definitely do another Al Snow thing because there's again just so many. Maybe when we uh, talk about the results of these, uh, the the fan poll of like favorite Al Snow matches, we'll we'll get more involved in some of those matches. Uh, yeah. But yeah, as you can tell, though, huge fans of Al Snow over here at uh, Team Chella, and uh, we're very very excited. And again, Chella does not make names who they're not fans of, and they make names who also are you know they don't worry about only appealing to a certain section of the audience. I mean, again, everyone from Big Daddy to Jay White to Gilbert, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just, there's no limit on who they, who they can make basically. Make, make action figures of people who literally save children's lives from drowning. <laughs> uh, Al Snow, didn't he? He saved a, he saved a kid's life last year, end of last year. Yes, he did. From, uh, well, so did Big he, Daddy. That's he, who I was thinking of. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did indeed. Yeah. So far, Cheller have got two wrestlers under their contract. Who have saved people from drowning in the sea? <laughs> that's what kind of action figure. That's what we're about here at Cella. Yeah, that's the kind of people we want to celebrate. <laughs> um, oh, wonderful! Yeah. On that note, last thing before uh, last two things before we go then before uh-huh. we wrap this bad boy up. Um, first one is a bit of a random one. I was chatting with uh, some of my pals from the HWO Hasbro World Order. I know some of you lads are listening. All right, boys. Um, about the idea of being able to collectively book a wrestler, mm-hmm. um, a legend, let's say for argument's sake, we'll use a cella name. Let's say, let's say um, Adam Bomb. Yeah. Let's say Brian Clark. You could book him. You could all chip in, fly him over, all hire a big Airbnb, um, have a laugh, have a drink, play some games, whatever, and almost hire them for a private 24-hour party. Um, and then naturally film it and sell it to Vice for Dark Side of the Ring, because it would obviously go that way, wouldn't it? Uh-huh. Um, but, no, jokes aside, it got me thinking, if we could make our own out of... We'll, we'll, this is to kind of like sort of bring on to the, the, the next podcast, but I want to just sort of give a little um, flavour of it now. And then we can think about another proper discussion about this for a future podcast and get listeners involved. Out of the Chella announcements thus far, could we theoretically, not in real life, but how would we go about making a Chella Toys Legends house? Oh, hello. What would happen? We'd have to make some storylines. We have to come up with some concepts. We have to work out which people are going to be in there. What character they're going to play when they're in there, mm-hmm. you know? I th- what tasks we would give them? <laughs> what sort of, you know? Um, I think it could be a lot of fun to be had with sort of fantasy booking a cello toys legends house. <laughs> oh, and you've got to think as well the depth of the names. I mean, Luna got announced. Um, yeah. You know, and imagine living in a house with Luna for like five minutes. Be mental. Um, it would be nuts. It would be absolutely lovely. I mean, it would be with any of them. Gangrel's there trying to bite okay. your neck at any opportunity. You keep catching Gangrel sneaking up behind you to bite your neck, and you're like, hey, he's like, oh, soz. And he just keeps walking off. But every now and again, he gives it another gun. Luna's there being Luna at her absolute best. Right. You've got Haystacks just stood there staring at you from the corner of the room, just staring at you all the time. you got Daddy just like, eh, eh, where's my dinner, eh? Who's all of the pizza? Eh? Has he done it? Has he? Shall I? Um, should I? Go on then, Dad. You order the pizza. Should I? Eh? Daddy doing that throughout. <laughs> uh-huh. as and then reading his joke book constantly. <laughs> Getting his joke book out to read his own jokes at people, but messing them up. That's what I want from Big Daddy. Um, Adam Baum, BWO. Haku. Um, of course, Haku, man. He's just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course. I mean, it would be, you know... <sighs> it'd be, I'd be, I'd, I'd, I'd be knackered, <laughs> to be honest. So, um, besides that, and that sounds very exciting. Um, you mentioned. I'm going to leave it at that. I don't know where we're going to go with it. By the way, yeah. I just want to throw that out there. I'm putting it out there and out of the world. That's what's. <laughs> that's what I've been thinking about today. Um, spending your days well. <laughs> spending spend my day at work thinking about this. Um, 
I'll work it out a bit more. I'll have a bit more of a think about it. Uh, get back to you next time to see if we've progressed <laughs> and turned it into an idea or a concept or if it's just going to stay as a thought. I don't know yet. Get back to you. Well, speaking of uh, concepts and ideas, we did uh, talk about the uh, official Chala Toys uh, customization figure competition as well. So would you like to remind everyone about uh, what that is going to be and any updates that we might have for it? Yeah, we're currently working on the um, the graphics and whatnot right now. We want to make this proper. We're not just going to put a little tweet and post on Instagram about it. We, well, we are going to do that, but we're going to do more than that. We're going to, we're going to, as I say, currently making some graphics to make it look proper. Um, so I don't want to give too much of the details away right now until everything's solidified about what we're going to put in there because we're still working out a few bits and pieces. But in a nutshell, um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people in the uh, action figure community, in the wrestling action figure collector societies that, that um, exist worldwide, are somewhat familiar with custom wrestling figures and if you don't know it's simply a case of people like to take action figures apart that they might have lots of or they might be cheap to get hold of or some nutcases do it with expensive rare figures but whatever floats you bought they take them apart change parts around you know you might put a adam bombs arms on um luna's body and put Gangrel's head on top, you know, and create your own action figure. Whatever you want to do, it's, you know, that's it's your call. But point being, people like to take figures apart. They like to repaint them, create new characters out of them, add clay, make them more interesting than what they were, make action figures of people who've never had them before, do crossover things. I remember years ago, I made a, um, a Blanca Street Fighter II crossover with Cabal from Mortal Kombat. Uh, sort of duet double figure out of a Bret Hart Hasbro figure. It's nice. like people like to make customs out of all sorts of things. And and anyway, point being, we're going to be running a competition for customizers. Now, unlike my previous competitions that I've run in the past, that I'd like to say were a success, raised over 350 quid for charity in the last one that we ran. Um, and we announced the winner through the panel of judges who happened to be none other than Chella's very own Brian Tipping, Mr. Tippy, uh, one of the designers here at Chella, um, before he started working for Chella. So, you know, he was announced as a winner long before he started designing figures for Chella, which is pretty cool. But what we're doing now is, as part of Chella, we're going to be doing this cool custom action figure competition. There's no limits to it. There's no, you have to use this kind of figure. You have to use this scale figure. You can only use these parts. You can't uh, use decals. You can't use fabrics. You can do whatever you want. That's as simple as that. The only thing we're going to ask is for nothing offensive in terms of offensive characters. I'm sure you can understand why. And also, um, let me think. There was another one as well. Oh, yeah, nothing in terms of nudity and things like that. <laughs> I mean, you can if you want, but we you, they won't get judged, but we'll keep them on our shelf. Um, no, what... You can do though is pretty much anything in the realms of if you want to make a My Little Pony Macho Man figure, um, you can. That's absolutely up to you. If you want to make a Robocop uh, Big Boss Man figure, you can. That's up to you. All we ask is that the you, you're making a character of somebody who is a wrestler, a wrestling persona, a wrestling um, gimmick. Um, but you can use whatever parts of action figures and broken toys or not broken toys and clay and paint and decals and whatever you want to make the figure as long as it represents a wrestler at the end of it. That's the only sort of um, rule, really. And what we'll do is we're going to do like a King of the Ring style competition. A panel of judges are going to vote on each match, each round. People move through until they eventually get to the finals. A winner will eventually be announced, and we're looking at also um, creating a canny, nice prize pot as well for um, the winner of said competition, and maybe a runners-up prize for second place as well. So, why don't you throw that out there now? That's a, as much as I can really give in the detail form. I think there's plenty there to get your minds ticking, and we'll be getting back to you with a lot more details about how, when, why, what, where, how to get involved, and everything else in the very near future when we get our bits and pieces sorted and we get some confirmation at our end. But we'll get back to you soon about it. 
Wonderful. And uh, we will answer as many questions as we can on the show as well. Um, you know, feel free to send in questions about any figures being made. If we can answer them, we will. Um, and also keep an eye on the uh, on cellotoys.net and their corresponding social media outlets, because you never know when a new drop is going to happen, um, which is very exciting because they do. The, there is thought put into it, but uh, you never know. It seems random. So, you know, Always keep, an keep eye your out. eyes open. That's all we can say. Keep yeah. your eyes open. Eat on the ground. And uh, like we say, four more days on uh, the 88 version of Dynamite. Please uh, do check it out because this is going to be your only chance to get it at a reasonable, a very reasonable price. Uh, and uh, you can find me at uh, Turnchuckle on Instagram where you can see lots of pictures of me wrestling uh, collection and cats and forts and all that kind of stuff. And uh, where can we find your good self? I live on Twitter, majority, mainly, and you can find me on there, at Grapple Arcade, um, along with everything we do at Grapple Arcade and everything we do with Cella. Um, we also do a number of different games events around the UK. We are part of the Hooked on Wrestling um, live pay-per-view events that we run the, the viewing parties. So we've got WrestleMania coming up soon. Uh, so if you go and check out the, the website and the uh, the handles for Hooked on Wrestling events, you will be able to find every city. I think there's over 20, I want to say 22 maybe, 22 cities in the UK that we're going to be running the parties, the the, the live pay-per-view parties after WrestleMania, both nights in most of those cities, including our city of Newcastle, where I'll be hosting it with uh, my pal Steve Yaron. We will be, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be doing double duty, double shifts, so uh, both nights of WrestleMania coming at you. But you can go and get tickets for that as well and, and catch up with us there. And we'll probably set up some video games and things like that and have a grand old merry time. And naturally, we'll be chatting a lot about Cella while we're there. So if you listen to this show, you're a fan of Cella and you want to pop along and go to our viewing parties and chat a lot more about Cella, you're very, very, very welcome to. Absolutely. And it is worth uh, bearing in mind that Chella will be represented at For the Love of Wrestling as well in April. So do uh, go visit uh, the booths that will be up and running. Um, we won't be there, but, uh, you know, I know a great time will be will be had and uh, Chella will be well represented, uh, which is great. As well as people, there are guests there such as Georgia uh, Bulldog's daughter who are connected with Chella in some form or manner as well which uh, so yeah bombard them with all your Chella questions as well make it known that you are going to get Chella figures uh, with uh, you know names who are going to be at at the show because I'm sure they'll be uh, really excited to hear that so uh, yeah good stuff um, there will be much more coming from myself and Foxy in all different uh, formats very soon which uh, we're very excited to get into on future episodes and uh, yeah I think that's I think that's pretty much it for now um, yeah we've we got will... no more theft to talk about got no more um, <laughs> Cyprus holidays to talk about well if um, I'm not in prison with nails uh, by next because he got sent back to prison that's what happened um then you know I will be back next week with the one and only Foxy and uh, we will see you all next time on the official Teller Toys podcast goodbye <laughs>